Hey, there's a few curse words in today's episode, so if you have kids in the car or anyone around who you don't want to hear that, this is your warning. Hey everyone, today we're talking to Matt Workman, who I don't know how to describe, and that's because he is kind of a super wizard superstar who's doing a lot of cool things right now. Matt is the creator of Cinetracer. It's a cinematography simulator app that enables filmmakers to visualize films, TV shows, commercials, anything in 3D in the app before shooting the commercial or movie or film or show in real life. Uh, he also runs Cinematography Database, which, to best describe and understand all the things he's doing there, you really should just visit his YouTube channel at Cinematography Database, which I will link in the show notes. Also, he recently started a new channel called Project Metahuman 1 and has been concentrating lately on motion capture. Also has a YouTube channel. Again, I'll link it in the show notes. Basically, he does a lot. And he runs several virtual production blogs where he shares his projects and progress, mostly, I believe, in Unreal Engine. So I'm going to link as many of Matt's things as I can in the show notes. He's doing a lot. For those of you who don't know about Unreal Engine, or if, like me, you've been wondering lately how to incorporate Unreal into your filmmaking, this is a nice way to kind of uh, ease your way in and get a broad scope overview of how it works. Unreal Engine is a lot of things, but its official description is this. It's a complete suite of development tools for anyone working with real-time technology. It gives creators across industries the freedom and control to deliver cutting-edge entertainment, compelling visualizations, and immersive virtual worlds. And I read that right from the website, and that does not explain it enough to me. I, I, I get it. It, does, it doesn't. The street version is this. Uh, to me, from a filmmaking perspective, because Unreal actually started in games, I believe... Uh, it's LED panels that are built into walls to provide environments for real-world actors and props and also light them, cast reflections on them. Basically, this thing is really awesome because everyone on set can see what the final image is going to look like instead of being surrounded by a massive green screen and a bunch of green props. Uh, if you want to see it in action, go look at the behind-the-scenes for Disney's The Mandalorian, or even look up Unreal Engine's promo spot for uh, using it on the LED panels, because Matt also directed that, and I will link that in the show notes as well. Now, this is a bit of a spoiler, but Matt does mention something cool later in the episode that I'd like to try to put into my own words now, because I think it's kind of important to address. I practically ask him if Unreal Engine is going to be a threat to current DPs and gaffers and crews uh, if they don't embrace it or learn how to work with Unreal Engine, and he very directly says no. Uh, in his own words, he says, Unreal Engine is not a job killer, it's in fact a job creator. It means that more chairs are going to be brought to the table instead of people getting uh, kicked out of the chairs they work so hard to get to now. So I think uh, it's really exciting. Um, uh, and I just wanted to share that so that you can be in the right headspace for this discussion. This technology, it's kind of a win-win for everybody involved. So this one is a little longer than usual, but I think it is absolutely worth it. The call sounds a little zoomy. That's my fault because I did not ask Matt to record audio on his side. I didn't do it on mine. Sometimes I'm just really happy to find time to get interesting people to come on and talk to us, but I will push for that going forward. Okay, time to go. A garden of pure ideology. Yeah, just a typical Super Bowl car ad. Or a hilarious beer ad. <laughs> Break was over 15 minutes ago, Mitch! I think 
You're the best ever. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're in the bush. Well, how am I supposed to know? I've never been there. I don't always drink beer, but when I do... Wanna play Batman? I think we're gonna be here a while. <laughs> I'm gonna be totally honest with you. Uh, I've been watching your videos for a little over a year, how you're using Unreal Engine. been trying to familiarize myself with Unreal Engine. I was like, this is the future, man. You guys got to get on this. And I feel like this weird uh, marketer for them, uh, telling people about it um, in a producer role for the company that's in Brooklyn that I produce commercials for. Like, I've tried to reach out to a few local production houses who offer it to get uh, rates and pricing on it, which I'd love to touch on that later too. Uh, but the more I try to learn about it, the more I feel like I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. So <laughs> for this... Um, I'm just going to assume that other people are still learning about it too. I know they are. I don't have to assume. Like I know that even though there's this community, like your community too, because I look at your comments and I'm like, do these people know this stuff too? Like you guys seem to know what you're talking about. I'm still having trouble keeping up. So we're going to have to just, if you could just talk to me like I'm a child, <laughs> like uh, we cover this stuff in broad strokes because uh, the uninitiated muggles like me, uh, might have trouble keeping up. But at the same time, I'm really fascinated in all the stuff that you're doing. So somehow I need to be able to talk to you about it while not knowing anything. If we could <laughs> take it in that it's, direction. It's pretty new still, you know? I mean, like, I mean, to, to categorize it with the name, the branding that's kind of stuck, like virtual production sounds like kind of the topic. It's, it's pretty new. Even, even for like, you know, Epic Games who makes Unreal Engine and the people who I speak to who are like the professionals and the leaders in this space, it's still pretty new. And we're just all like question marking, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of like experimentation and research and development. You know, there's, the standards are not there. We like aspire for st industry standards and things like that, but there's no like rules. It's like, oh, you're doing it wrong. It's like when some, someone does something and it's new, it's kind of like, well, that might be it. We don't know yet. It's, it's not really like locked down. So you, everyone is, is, learning for sure like this yeah. i don't feel like an expert in this i feel like i know a little bit but there's just an awful lot and there's a lot of different categories to get stuck in like special like specialized into to go deep in on and i was like a while ago i was getting into like a, not this green screen but like green screen virtual production and led virtual production and now i'm into like you know virtual humans and like all of that ends up put together i guess because it's all running in unreal engine but i i don't know what i'm talking about still i'm just trying to catch up yes you do <laughs> You, you totally know, especially, you got to remember to us normal people or the uninitiated, you totally know what you're talking about. Uh, because like, I know I felt dumb because I was watching your videos a couple of months ago. And uh, you, 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 I think the title of the video was you said you, you bought an Unreal Engine set up for your house or your apartment. I was like, oh yeah, let me see it. And you set up the green screen. And I was like, that's not Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine's LED panels with the live engine in the background. And I didn't know. And uh correct me where I'm wrong here. I didn't know that uh, Unreal Engine initially was through the camera or the monitor, I guess. It wasn't, it didn't start as Mandalorian LED walls, you know, with the live interactive background that can simultaneously be used for like lighting and stuff. It looked like there were even phases back. So I was just thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so lost because I just jumped on the bandwagon as a newcomer and I was like, look at this live background. It's going to be amazing. And uh, yeah, there's, a, I, as you said, there's so much more to it that I'm still trying to figure out too.
Well, that's the fun one. Okay, so this is good for context that you're jumping on at like the the LED wall stuff. Which, by the way, I I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people are going to see it from that perspective and they're going to go, wait a second, this thing's going to replace green screen? Wait, I can see the set behind me? So it's, again, I'm still, like I'm I'm diving in, but I feel really stupid. Dive again. I don't know if it's stupid. I think we're all... Again, it's it's changing. You know, like a year ago, like it wasn't even. I don't know time anymore. But whenever I was on the last LED set, it's like it was very new. Like it was like Mandalorian had done it, and then I mm-hmm. did a project with that same team to kind of just show off the tech. Now was that since, the was that the motorcycle promo? Yeah, because yeah, I didn't know that that was you. I had seen that promo, and I was like, "Oh, look, guys, this is it. This is it." And then as I was looking more into it. Uh, I actually saw that I started to see you in some of the photos. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's Matt Workman in there. Yeah, that was that was a fun project. I, I had gone like kind of a game developer route uh, from filmmaking. So I was building a game in Unreal Engine and just like kind of messing around with it and like playing Is this with Cine them. Tracer? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then also just generally like, oh, like, hey, we can like make cinematic looking footage in it, you know, just playing with that. And like, I, no one else in the, not no one, but very few people in the Unreal Engine community were doing that. Like I would show that stuff and they'd be like, what is this? That's on a game. Like, what are you, why are you making these like little movies? But anyway, like, so I, I kind of knew Epic Games from the game side and I was making like a, cine, a cinematography kind of game uh, more or less. And so they just, you know, when that project came together, like we need someone that can like, you know, be the, like, you know, represent the live action filmmaker side of it. I already knew them and they knew that I was, you know, coming from, live action filmmaking. So I got the opportunity to direct and be the cinematographer of that. But really, you know, that was like, it was literally the people from Mandalorian season one. They were doing everything. I showed up and I was like, what is this now? I had no idea. So like, I was just there to like, you know, pick what cameras make sense, consult on how we should move the cameras. And then, you know, there's still the crew, there's gaffers and stuff and kind of be like the onset in between. But like, that's all them. That's all Mandalorian and Epic Games. I just got to be a part of it. I, I normally I love to ask questions in a structure that makes sense, but because I'm so interested in all the stuff that you're doing, I have to throw that out the window. Uh, <laughs> with that said, uh, what you, you mentioned the gaffer. What does the gaffer do? One of the pitch points on Unreal Engine, or at least the LED panels as the background and the the overhead, is you can use them to also light. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, I know there still have to be more lights, and I know the gaffers are probably rolling their eyes and they're like, "You don't know, you can't replace lighting." But I mean, you you are replacing some lighting. Yeah, it's 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 another light. The LED ceiling and the LED walls, and especially if you go for like a two seventy or three sixty, uh, because you can't completely enclose yourself. I don't like that. I don't like being trapped in there. But like, you can completely surround yourself with it. So you're getting reflections. You are getting lighting. Um, but especially the bigger the volume, the light falls off. The LED, the LED walls don't project like a, a film light would. So the further you are from them, the less actual direct light will make it to you. Reflections will typically still be there. So you're still doing quite a bit of you know lighting over it. And it's hybrid lighting now. So the gaffer is definitely, or should be, usually is. Um, Consulting, it depends on on the on the level of the production of like what goes in the panel. Like like say you're you're lighting with this big LED above you, you know, like mm-hmm. what goes in it. It doesn't have to be exactly what would be in the 3D world, right? You might make the back brighter, you might change the color. 
there's virtual lights where like you just put up a big white square and that becomes a light source and the gaffer should be consulting, should be in this process, if not running it directly. And then you run regular lights over it. Uh, there's a project coming out pretty soon um, of like kind of the next version of the thing that I did. And I, I just saw it. I saw a preview of it. So this is kind of a spoiler, but I think I, I think it's okay to say that there's something else coming. Yeah. And there's a lot of lighting and, you know, Unreal Engine specifically uh, put a lot of work into DMX controls for Unreal Engine. So it's very much synchronizing real world movie lights with the LED wall, like, because the lights can project more. So you might take like a sample of like, say it's like you're in a blue sky and it's like, I want blue light coming down, right? The LED panel is not going to give you all the control you want necessarily. It'll be very flat too. If you just turned a gigantic blue screen over you, right? that's not very controlled, right? So you might have, you know, edge lights on the side, like sky panel 360s or something punchier, like an HMI or something. And you're going to you're going to basically coordinate the color changing and the, the light levels to the environment, but with an artistic control over it, right? You don't just like, Oh, that's what the environment thinks we should make it look like. We'll just do whatever that computer says. Like, no, you, you're still doing this artistic pushing it further or, or taking it away. So the gaffer still has a big job, a very technical and kind of difficult job too, I think um, to be on those sets. Cause it's somewhat, it's somewhat new. The tools are new, um, but there's definitely gaffers, but gaffers like, um, uh, I'm not going to get his name wrong, but anyway, the gaffers who have been staying on top of like programming, like moving lights for commercials, right. And doing like led chases, like you have like 10 sky panels and you program the colors to all go across that skill set serves you quite well on these hybrid uh, virtual production sets. So the gaffers are quite busy, very, very needed because you have a lot of lights on top of it. You still need to key light people for the most part. And yeah. Big lights as well. It, it sounds like, and uh, I'd like to know what you think of this. I mean, it sounds like just, a. I mean, obviously this, this is going to apply to everything on real engine and technology, but it just sounds like, wow, this flies really good. Um, it sounds like, uh, <laughs> the gaffer is almost going to become a lighting designer of sorts because you're going to have your, cause you do, what is it like, can you get by with one unreal technician? Do you need one, two, three technicians there operating that background? Like to, to uh, provide the changes that you're requesting live on set? Because, you know, one of the showcase points like in that motorcycle spot that I think you did they literally show how you can move a rock or move a mountain. You know, if you're like, oh, I don't want that rock there. I need that mountain over there. How many people does that take? So the, there's different level stages, you know, on like what you would, the smaller side, there's just like one wall, right? Like maybe like a mm -hmm. 30 foot curve, something like that. Mm -hmm. You can't move the camera too, too much. You're not looking up or down because those are LED. Now. That's a curve of LED panels connected. Yeah, just like, okay. Yeah, just like a flat. Not flat. It's just like a, a thirty foot wide, little bit of a curve. Uh, that's a pretty simple setup. Might be like possibly one or two computers running it. That could be run pretty minimally if it's all pre set up. All the the camera tracking's laid in. Everything's profiled. You just show up. You load your set, and you start filming in it. That could be run pretty minimally. You probably are not making changes. Like you can make changes. But, you know, again, like it's live film production. So that, you know, you're being, you're paying hourly for talent, right. for everything. So it's just like, I, I think it's similar to like, you know, live action. It's like, 
yeah. oh, let's go move. Let's go move like the major set piece in the back. It's like, well, we're paying for everyone to be here. So, you know, you probably try to minimize that, but it can technically be done, but you then start to, you're, you're tweaking, you're tweaking when you should probably, this is more like on the production of it. Like technically, yes, you could do that, but like maybe you have an art directed what's behind what you just moved. Right. Yeah. Cause it's virtual, but there's still parallels with it being like, you can start to think of it like a live action set. But yes. If you wanted to like do like a, a time of day change, that would be fairly simple. I have a video on, on YouTube, I think somewhere, something about the virtual gaffer. And so like a good example is that the sun, right? The, the virtual sun that's lighting the virtual backgrounds. Well, that's, you know, that's a cinematographer decision or mm-hmm. consultation, depends on the director. And then the gaffer or someone else should be implementing, right? Doing it like in the real world, they would go move the 18K in the virtual world, they'll move it, the virtual sun. Mm-hmm. So things like that are exciting um, yeah. to be able to play with, play with and tweak. But still on like a professional set, you hope to like when the, when the AD, when you start shooting, we've planned this, we're, right, right? It's not like, oh, let's start really just changing everything. We want that ability to, but you, know, you still want to show up and nail it in us that we're not wasting yeah. time. It sounds like what you're saying is that the Unreal Engine, I don't know if they're going to be called the designer or the operator who you're going to be collaborating with is a part of the prep early on. It all has to be, I mean, it all has to be done beforehand. So yeah. like, it's called the VAD. That's kind of what they're calling it, like virtual art department who assembles oh, this stuff. Cool. Yeah, and I, I, would, I did some stuff with, is it, I, I forget the unions. I think it's 800, IA 800 is the art director's guild, I believe. And they are like, and they're, so they're normally the people who are designing the sets. I think it's someone encompasses the construction companies and crews that do that. I'm not sure if they're like the exact same union. But they're usually designing virtually the real world sets that you would build physically. But now they're also building their own standards to build the virtual set, you know, at the same mm-hmm. time. And the virtual set's usually the domain of like a, some sort of visual effects company who specializes in this, who does this a lot. Um, but we're definitely going to start to see hybrids where like a production designer rolls up and they're like, are we building a real set today? Because you usually mix a real set in front right. of the, the virtual sets. Like, so they just flew it in both. It's like, yep, here's like the CAD vector works for the real set. And then here's the Maya file or whatever for the virtual set. And they're fluent in both to execute on this. Uh, but it, it really depends. It's a, it's a quite a free for all. Like everyone has like their, you know, each, we could honestly just say like each major streaming company who, who makes content these days, mm-hmm. they have different things. Like Disney has ILM to pull from, whereas Netflix is probably hiring out to like the mill and MPC and, and companies like that. Uh, but they're a major part of it. If you're going to, you know, have a, the virtual background, it, a lot of, is a lot more prep up front. unless it's like, um, I consulted a little bit for a couple like TV shows where it was like kind of like game showy where you'd more or less have the same set every time, but you'd have like live cues. Like here's the virtual sign coming down, right? They're like a Fox studio news kind of uh, yeah execution it's a big VFX lift to generate the sets usually. So they're a, they're a big part of it. And they're, they're usually on set too, but they, they tend to like be done by then. Cause if you're making changes when you're shooting it, that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So you said you were brought in to consult. I'm going to brag on you for a few seconds, just from an outside perspective. Uh, you created Cine Tracer, the cinematography simulator game that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you run the cinematography database channel, uh, which I'm going to link all your stuff because there's just no way we can even cover it all here. All your stuff will be linked in the, in the show notes. Um, you, you run your virtual production blog, you're teaching Unreal Engine stuff, uh, and now you've started your new thing, uh, MetaHuman 1. Am I saying that right? MetaHuman 1? Or Citizen well, 1? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Citizen Meta One. It's it's yeah. a new thing, but yeah, those are those are the projects. Yeah, and that's you in the. See, I'm gonna. I need your help describing this, but that's you in the mo. So you have you already done the mocap suit when you're watch, when you're doing those videos, or are you literally in the mocap suit, like talking as you're doing those videos? I'm I'm not describing it right. I was watching your one of your last ones, and you're literally talking, you know, out of the. Uh, out of, out of the is that citizen one is that is that you is that the name citizen one is that the person yeah you're talking so, out of your virtual avatar <laughs> and i'm like is he teaching this while he's wearing the mocap suit like is he doing this all at once uh um, yeah that's kind of the that's kind of the the joke of the the theme of that channel i have to get back to it so like a bigger picture for for people who may not have heard of it is um epic games who makes unreal engine like the rendering engine behind the led walls that maybe mm-hmm. a lot of people would probably think of it that way they also released um, a virtual human creator platform. And so like you basically go on a website and you pick from a couple presets and it will give you a very, very, very photorealistic human that can be customized. And in short enough time, you could basically make it look like whoever you want yourself, an actor, yeah, you know, and, or some hybrid. And the point is that it's free. It's really easy. And it goes right into it's like two clicks. It's right into Unreal Engine. And they're photorealistic humans that are ready to be animated. And so I've been interested in that to put that into CineTracer to give people the ability to previs with photorealistic humans that light correctly. So if you light them with like a four by four source now and then you backlight the hair, the hair is individual strands of hair and you will see that and it reacts very convincingly, uh, looks very much like the real world. So from a lighting simulator aspect, they're very good subjects to light. They light accurately. So the question that becomes for me is, you know, how do you make them move, right? How do you make them move realistically? And, and it, always with like kind of a, a thought for filmmakers. So that's motion capture. So getting into like wearing mocap suits and mocap gloves that capture that motion, then you put on the metahumans. And then same with the face, which is the, one of the more challenging aspects is how do you capture the face and emotion and the lip sync is what I've been working on lately. And um, so, yeah, that project is called Citizen Meta One and it's kind of, Broaches on the line of VTubers, if we've ever heard of like virtual uh, virtual influencers and that sort of stuff. So I'm kind of working in that space with um, some of the people who are doing that already, the leaders in it, and then some of the new people looking to transition from being like a traditional musician to being a a virtual avatar based musician and uh, building tools for it, and also working with like the mocap companies and Epic Games to kind of feel out that space. And and I I do that by creating content and. Yeah, so that's Citizen Meta one. That's the new project. Yeah, you're doing. How do you do all this? Like, I thought you had. Now I know you have two kids. I thought you had one. You're running all these <laughs> channels. You're doing like, how do you do all this? Well, like, so like fun, fundamentally, from like a business point of view, right? You need to make money to pay for your mortgage and uh, equipment, right? So like, you know, my primary business is now is CineTracer. So this is a something okay. that it took me four years to, to learn Unreal Engine and build the basics of it. And before that, I had a couple other products and companies in the previous for filmmakers space. So wow. I had that brand building. And then I was able to execute on a game that 
brings you know this kind of like accessible tech viz is what it's called in the in the film world. I just tried to make it a tech viz and pre viz as accessible as possible, and a video game turns out to be extremely uh, accessible. So Cinetracer, without me even doing like an a ton, I don't do like any direct marketing anymore, anything like that basically pays for like my normal life and development of it. I could hire people even, but I just don't, I just try to keep it like very simple and I'm working on a huge update. There's been a, a stop at updates, but um, so that's like the primary business. That's the one that needs to, you know, always be taken care of like the day job, so to speak. Yeah. And then luckily I just, I then have like a decent amount of time to just do what I like to do, <laughs> which just happens to be very Unreal Engine centric. So when I got invited to go to the LED wall set and work on that, and I worked on that. That's for a when month. you is that the one in LA? Because I saw you also got invited. Yeah, to the go motorcycle. To head. Yeah. Well, I saw you got invited to go to Epic's headquarters in Cary, North Carolina, too. Yeah, before the the shutdown and everyone's remote now, so that was cool. Yeah, I got to be on their live stream, and I've I've presented on like big stages with them, and I've done like the whole thing. I'm, I was very depressed when I'm for you know people have it much worse. But, you know, I was, you know, I was on like the circuit. I was going to be traveling the world and, you know, doing LED, really? LED walls and like, you know, presenting and, and doing all the things and that obviously just completely gone. Um, but yeah, I've, I've done a lot with them. But so the LED wall stuff. So like the business is Cinetracer, one of them. But then I do virtual production stuff with Epic Games that does pay uh, to get back to my, I was a traditional cinematographer, live action cinematographer. Um, I'm still signed to Gersh as a commercial DP, which is a very good agency for DPs. Yeah. So I'll go do, they're called special projects. And I'll basically only work for a couple of companies at this point, which is like Epic Games, like NVIDIA, Apple, that sort of thing. And I'll still get contract work through them, but it has to be under very specific terms of like it with the technology. It's like, okay, this whole thing's running on Unreal Engine with an LED wall and cameras and the Mandalorian team. I was like, okay, I'll give you a month of my life. Let's go. That sounds very fun. So th those come up. Those are less frequent now with the current state of things, but that was that right. was a part of it. And so like I got invited to it. I was like, I can't say no to that. And I got to meet like John Favreau and like all these people like in, in Hollywood. Did you really? I'm not, like, That's awesome. I'm not like a Hollywood cinematographer. I was in New York doing commercials. I'm not like doing movies. That's a much different world. So I get to get into like LA and, and ASC and like all that stuff uh, kind of through them. And then right now I like, MetaHumans luckily is the, which, uh, the, the foot of real humans. That tech that all the research I do in it is going to go into Cinetracer, which is the primary business. MetaHumans, virtual humans, when you're going to LED walls, you're going to put them on the LED walls. You might AR them virtually into the live action set as well. And then I've just always been interested in animating virtual humans to film them, to light them. You know? And there's a uh, Luckily, that's that's a thing now that all those things are called virtual production. You know, Unreal Engine, Epic Games is a, a main driver of it. And so it's it's kind of all the same thing. I just try to like kind of break them out. But that's that's how I think about my life at the moment is like Cinetracer. Yeah. Virtual production, LED walls. I don't really do contract work anymore because of the lockdowns and whatnot. And then um, MetaHumans is the new thing, but they all kind of just go together. I just do one at a time. I work small hours a day. I've got two kids that are homes. They're not in school right now or they haven't been. We'll see what the, what this year looks like, if it's any better. I work probably like I'll stream some of it to, I stream like I'll stream like four hours of programming, do some editing if I'm doing content that day. And they're short days. Cause it's like, 
burnout sauce. If you just like, I, when I was building Cinetracer, I used to go like 12 hour days of programming and working and making content. And that's probably a lot of the content you've seen is probably from that era possibly of it. Um, but these days I try to keep it kind of chill and I just focus. I write, I, don't, I used to have all these like um, task tracking apps and like Trello and, you know, Asana and whatnot. I, I literally I may, just I may be a bit of a night. Trello nerd, but it definitely becomes uh, distracting at some point. You get too into the. But you're managing. If you're managing teams of people, you have to distribute the information. You have to keep checks on it. But as like a, I'm a solo company, it's literally just me. It's like at this point, I just email myself at the end of the day, and I'm like, I would like to get done tomorrow these three things. With in the back of my mind, I know the big picture, and if I can get done a couple of those things every day, then I'm I'm pretty happy. And pretty depressed if I don't, though, sadly. But I'll, I just try to check off one little thing that can be done. You know, that's a step towards the big goal. But uh, luckily, they're all kind of like in synergy right now. Sometimes they're I not. Realized I realized that. Projects. I realized that as you were talking. I was starting to interrupt. I just, I, I, I didn't get it before. Because like I said in the beginning, I, I just so green to this stuff. But as you were describing it, I started to realize that all of this stuff supports cine tracer like you're all these things you're you're streaming about and teaching you're going to be able to plug into cine tracer and cine tracer is going to be that much better as you improve i mean cine tracer might become if it's not already like the premier digital like planning app for shooting i mean is that is that a goal or are you just not does that even matter to you to be the best or anything it just it just it's set it seems like it's primed to be very successful if I if I hired some employees, <laughs> which everyone's been asking me to, I still just don't want to do that. We could we could definitely scale it into like, you know, like the Adobe Photoshop of that. I, I think to the independent filmmaker, it basically is already in students in that there's really not much else trying to. Um, oh, I think the closest thing was like, uh, oh, what was it? Shot, not shot lister, the one with the little circles. Where like you move them around. Um, yeah, the two. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, shot. Yeah, is that designer? I think Maybe. I use that too. People use them together usually. Yeah, but yeah, it it, it definitely can be. I think it's the metahumans. I'm trying to make it simple. Actually, like I don't want to take on like movie planning aspects or trying to do animation. I just want it to be like a nice place that you can quickly sketch out an idea of a scene. You know, and I, I think yeah. that's the core value. And then people take the screenshots and they just text them to their, to the director and or put them in the PDF. And so I, I just try to make that as accessible to a live action filmmaker as possible. So I'll be bringing metahumans to that, to that ecosystem. The new Unreal Engine 5 lighting system is going to allow for negative fill. I saw and, that. And that bouncing and awesome. It is incredible and runs on fairly um, con, like consumer hardware to get that. It, that's that kind of lighting used to require like, like my level workstations, like five thousand really? dollar graphics cards and whatnot, that still helps. But so yeah, so just try to make it simple to be like, hey, what if the light was there? There's a person sitting here, and we frame up on a fifty on an Alexa. That's still just I just want to be able to make that thought happen as quickly as possible, you know. Versus like planning out the whole movie and the whole scene. People definitely go that route, but I think that that slot is really going to be for Unreal Engine itself you know like that's going to be yeah. and then you do your previs in unreal engine and like that same asset can then go on your led wall like that workflow becomes very powerful but cinetracer is like the light version of it and so like that's what i do i forget what we're talking about but yeah everything that, we're talking about all of it <laughs> yeah why hasn't uh why hasn't epic built a studio for you 
down in Cary and just asked you to come be the the premier director. Uh, they have. There's names. They have. <laughs> not that. I'll be honest. Have, I'm. I'm actually. We're going in two weeks. We're. We're trying to move there. Oh, to Cary. Yeah, my family's from Virginia, and I needed a spot okay. that's close to home. Uh, yeah, the whole pandemic and everything. I, I never mm-hmm. thought that we wouldn't be able to fly, so it was never an issue. I mean, I've lived all over the place. It was like L.A., New York, and, and Austin, and other places. But you know, traveling was never an issue before. Well, then, yeah, yeah, the pandemic started, and uh, we were uh, my. I needed to get to my family um, to see someone, and and uh, yeah, it was like we couldn't fly. We had to make this like Mad Max cross country trip, and I was like, "Well, this sucks. I don't want to be in this position again." And I think mm. the cat's obviously out of the bag on Raleigh and Cary and all the tech companies coming to town. Ubisoft is there, Epic's there. I mean, it's it's oh, probably going to be the next Austin easily, um, but with water and a beach close by, which makes it better than Austin, in my opinion. Um, so that's that's why I'm pretty excited about it. it it's really uh, Carrie's job to lose at this point. Actually, normally I wouldn't even talk about it because I'm like, I don't want anybody to know. But there's <laughs> articles coming out every month on, oh, and Apple too. Apple just committed to, to yeah. Carrie, you know, and my wife yep. works for yep. Apple. So it's like, I'm like, all right, I give in. Let's just go. Uh, but yeah, obviously Unreal being there, I would, I, I, I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, conveniently working at the coffee shop across the street from them days <laughs> and getting, getting uh, to know who's there. But yeah, oh, I want to know about your studio thing that they offered. Cause I was just joking about it, but when I mean, they, why, when they why shouldn't it, so, they? So Epic, Epic bought that gigantic mall. Did you see that? Yeah. Well, because yeah, so, a, a few years ago, this is super boring, but they were trying to get Apple in and I believe mm-hmm. Apple committed to Austin for their HQ two. And then they still end up deciding to build another headquarters in that area. Oh yeah. So yeah. And I, I believe uh, Epic took that building. I think. Yeah. yeah the, that, they took that mall. Yeah. Oh, they're moving there. Like I, I've considered the move to do it. Either Come on either, down. <laughs> either rally or, um, you know, Southern California, Southern California being uh, before the, before the pandemic, I was very close to pulling the trigger to be closer to Apple, to be closer to LA office of Epic games. And so they built, Nance Studios. So we did like this LED wall thing with um, demo with Lux Machina, and they're like one of the main tech companies that was mm-hmm. you know helped pioneer Mandalorian season one, and now they do the same innovation with the LED walls and whatnot, getting all the tech together for like big operations like around the world. And so Epic Games kind of like I don't know I don't speak for them. Um, this is like my understanding of it. Right, collaborated with some movie studio to make Nant Studios, which is like a very decent size, like sixty to seventy foot, I think, LED wall circle. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's kind of like you know they're, they're doing shoots there, but they also get to kind of use it as like a a home base, you know, and do do testing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, I've are you talking about one them. in in LA? Yeah, it's called Nant Studios. Yeah. It's N A N T. You can look it up. So it's like a big LED wall, like all in one already set up for you. You just show up and shoot kind of situation, which there's lots of now, but that's kind of like Epic's LA situation. There's other things going to go into that building and whatnot. So I've been in touch with that team. Like the team that's running that is the team I was shooting with, um, with Epic for the other stuff. So yeah, I've, it's not like for sure. I feel like I can roll up there like any day. Like not that I haven't flown since, but like, yeah, whenever that could happen, I could roll up into Nan and probably do some cool stuff there. I've been invited to do some stuff. And they have one in uh, they have one in London, which is much much smaller, being that it's mm-hmm. in London. London's you know small, you know, yeah. in, in general compared to like the sprawl of Los Angeles. 
And so they're, they're all over. And yeah, so when the big headquarters goes up in, uh, in rally too, you know, it's, there's things. And then they also support, I don't know if any, this is like usually specific to like the Unreal Engine developer community, but there's creators, is they have this program called the Mega Grants. Is that something? Oh, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you, yeah. so they've sponsored. That's they've awesome, which apparently is a just limitless grant. Which I didn't even mention, uh, and not that we need to. I mean, I, I'd like to talk more about you, but I know you're doing so much stuff with Unreal Engine. But I mean, you already touched on this a little bit. Yeah, they they offer all their stuff for free, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. All these courses and all this stuff for free, so everybody can just go download it, right? And then they have the Epic Mega Grant, which is just there's just no cap on this thing. Like I looked at the form out of curiosity. Sorry, we got some military helicopters going overhead now. Um, nice. Yeah, why not? Um, uh, and I was like, where's, where's the grant? Where's the amount? It's just, tell us how much you need. Tell us what you need. We'll think about it. We'll get back to you in 90 days. It's awesome. They just seem so cool. Like, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's kind of rare to see companies that are doing stuff. You're like, man, I really like you. I've, I don't even know you. I like you. They just seem like they're doing it right. I, I honestly, this might be stupid Definitely. to say this on a podcast format, but we're not that big. Like if I could, <laughs> and if I can find the people and I will try, I would love to build a studio nearby when we get there and just try to become their best friend and be like, please provide the engine. I will provide the film community because I don't know if you ever care about feature films. I'd love to hear where your interest still lies with filmmaking and stuff. Uh, but like North Carolina is aggressively trying to gain back all of the business they lost a few years ago to Georgia because Georgia just mm -hmm. vortexed everyone in with these great yep. state tax incentives. Yep. And North Carolina rolled over and gave it away. And now they're trying to get it back, which is awesome because Wilmington, North Carolina does a lot because they have a Screen Gem studio there and Charlotte does okay. But then you've got Raleigh right there in the middle and you have these amazing companies, especially one like Unreal. So mm. I, 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 it seems like there's fertile ground for opportunity. So, oh, for sure. Especially if you have I pitched you yet? Year, are you going to come <laughs> if down? If you pulled the trigger a year ago, we, could, we probably could have done some stuff like immediately. But yeah, no, that's a good, that's a, that's a safe, I, I can't say safe in tech, in the tech world, who knows, right. but like, that's a, that's a good bet, you know, um, New York's been interesting because like, like New York just pulled like some crazy tax incentives, I guess. And they, they have, you know, the Netflix, Netflix is building a new studio in Bed-Stuy. Uh, is that what we still call it? I used to live there, uh, in Bed-Stuy. Are they? And I then know like, yeah, it's relatively new and. Yeah, there's a lot of stages going up and there's a lot of content to be filmed. This is the overarching thing, I think, for like anyone in media entertainment is there's a lot of content to produce. And we don't even have anywhere enough the uh, number of technicians that know how to do this stuff specifically. And so every major, I think it's safe to say this probably every major studio in the world who's producing content has many multiple of these virtual production stages and there's not even close to enough people to even wow. like sweep the floors so to speak of like the digital sets I, I mean i mean that like like the the like the entry level work that you would do on a stage like that there's not enough students it's brand new there's it's even from like they have a program epic games has enough you've heard of the mega grants there's many other programs um they have a fellowship program where they basically pay students students and these are students the students are usually are, are mostly pulled from existing vfx companies and it's kind of like a training program to get people to learn how to do this stuff because it's very new and very hard to get it so instead of taking out student loans epic games pays 
the student, it pays for their life for the period that they're learning it. It paid them money. You net positive from doing it cash flow wise. And then they teach it to you uh, with this very tight group. It's called the fellowship. And I've been a guest teacher at a couple of those and know some of that community. But yeah, a a big pick, like a, a good plan to be local. Very cool. Definitely to Epic and, you know, being a test bed yeah. or just shooting with it, stuff like that, that is a good idea. I, I think that's yeah. a good idea. I would love, you know, so before, so uh, speaking of the mega grant, like, so they've like heavily supported, like, like why don't they just buy you a studio? I, I want a very large mega grant uh, mm-hmm. awarded or whatever we call it. Like, a, a I think you back. mentioned that in some of your videos. Probably. Yeah. I made a video yeah. about it to kind of just show people that it's like, I'm just one person in my basement, still in my basement. And I applied and, you know, I mean, I work a lot on Unreal Engine. I do a lot of Unreal Engine stuff. You know, I'm not like brand new to it, but um, yeah, like a lot of this equipment and a lot of the connections and stuff like that I have comes from them, you know, like that mega grant paid for a lot of equipment and a lot of just time to do it and whatnot. And I have, it's, just, it's still like a relatively small community, but I, I keep a small community of people who win the mega grants, you know, and they're, they're not for programming things. They're for like making a TV show pilot for making um, content around metahumans and, and that sort of thing. And so it's yeah. a very, yeah, they're, they're like their own like universe and metaverse as they would call it, right? Like to, to not even speak of Fortnite and, and really what's, well, not really, but like you know, a big part of what's happening with this. And so like they're creating the technology, they make it free, they... Um, pay for the R&D is the way that I look for it for like a lot of companies and you'll see um, if it's if I know, never know if it's public there's a lot of productions going on right now that are coming from the central hub of, of Unreal Engine and, and virtual yeah. production from the absolute major majors like all the mo- like the big movies and TV shows to pretty indie stuff you know and I, I try to like uh, people who come to me through like the current channels now is like metahuman stuff. Like people who are like, who are going to be like virtual musicians and virtual actors or making like TV series and whatnot. It's like, they are very supportive of like, even like these like solo creators, which is pretty incredible. And then also be like, you know, making all like the big movies and the TV shows, you know, and they're a relatively small company. And I I don't know how they pull it off. Like you're asking like how I do, I was like, I don't know how any of them, do this stuff like it's such like massive scale like i have no idea how that works and they do move quickly it's the incredible thing i think that's the the nice part of them being small <clears throat> being owned by one very strong sole ceo and tim sweeney and this is and, like, this is epic's ceo yeah epic games okay. yeah they're they're very fast to execute on things whereas like you might work with like i've worked with all, all the companies pretty much all the tech companies and the bigger ones they don't move that they don't move that quickly, right? There's a lot of yeah. approvals and safety checks and whatnot, as, as you would probably need legally to do it, uh, to run a big company. But Epic just is like, that's a cool idea. And tomorrow we're doing it. It's, that's, that's how the LED wall shoots felt. And then like, while they're there, they're like brainstorming. They're, 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 like, they have a special projects team and they're like, we're just here to do cool shit. Like budget's not really the issue. We're just trying to make like some cool shit happen, right? So it's like this constant innovation team. And then they show it which is awesome. I used to shoot commercials for Google uh, in New York city. And I would mm-hmm. shoot, I used to shoot the demos of their special projects. It's like their research and development things. And I would shoot the, I would shoot the commercials of them, but they were internal and they never left the company. You would, I would just shoot all these inter- internal commercials, like huge budget, like $500,000. We're just trying to make a one minute video, you know? And it's like at full commercial quality. I was like, 
that sounds awesome. Let's, let's do it. And I did that for years. But that stuff never went anywhere. You never, it never saw the light of day. It was all internal stuff, right? Weird, like internal companies, like internal company, companies inside of companies pitching each other or something like that. I'm not really sure. But the Epic stuff comes out, they release it, man. They release the MetaHuman demos. They release the man, like the LED demos. There's more coming out. That's awesome. You know, like if I was yeah. to work there, <laughs> which I don't, I would, I would want to be on that team. I was like, let's just do something cool every day. You know, and they're like, they were like, oh, what if we did this like LED wall shoot? That was one of those things. And it was like, okay, let's do it. And it's quick, comes out real quick. Like it was like right after Mandalorian, before Mandalorian, they put it out. And yeah. they're doing that stuff right now. There's a bunch of those going on right now. So that's, that's pretty cool. I feel like you are, I've been <clears throat> kind of harping on this thing lately uh, in regards to like when we're talking about new business and stuff and we, we kind of have these team meetings sometimes and I'm like, guys, like there's a lot of companies out there and everyone's obviously trying to get new business, bigger business. Um, but you are the, it's going to sound like I'm your biggest fan here, but like you, you are the like pinnacle of interested equals interesting. Because like you just said, you're not Epic's employee, but if I had to guess, I'd say they love you. Uh, you are, you're like a super brand for Unreal Engine and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm going to assume that, you know, please tell me about it. But like, I don't think they called you five or six years ago and said, oh man, we're just really looking for somebody to get interested in this stuff and, and get really good at it. So we're going to pay you in advance and then you do it. Like if I had to guess, I'd say you got interested and you started teaching yourself all this stuff. And now you are kind of like, I don't know, the tip of the spear, one of the people in the front, you're, you're pioneering this stuff. I mean, you're, you're almost synonymous with like Unreal Engine, at least in my opinion, as far as like, you know, filmmakers go or indie filmmakers or the commercial filmmaking community. You know, when you think of names, I mean, you're, Yours is the one that comes up first. Um, I mean, am I am I right to assume you got interested in it at first and then they started giving you attention? I can tell you the actual story. Um, oh yeah, please so, do. So I was building Previs software for the film industry in Maya, which is like how still the big companies are doing it. And then I built it in Cinema 4D, built a product around that. And they saw that and they were like, oh, here's a filmmaker, a live action filmmaker who's building software for filmmakers and they approached me actually and they were like very you know chill about it not like an acquisition out of the gate or something like that it was they were like hey you know like have you ever considered building the tools that you build which are like virtual cameras and stuff like that um very niche like not many, not a lot of people doing that even still and like would you consider doing it in unreal engine and i was like oh that sounds kind of cool but like back then unreal engine didn't look as nice as it does now especially mm -hmm. under legend five but it was like the beginning of real-time ray tracing i don't know if that that's that's what not is, even like what does ray tracing mean yeah so it's just like realistic lighting right so it's like basically okay. if you in like computer graphics if you wanted realistic lighting it was like hours per frame and i i lived that era and i, I built software in that era but they kind of give they kind of showed at that same time it was like hey we can get this really good like lighting quality but it's just like happening real time and for me, as a software developer who wants to make lighting software, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I've never made a video game, but that sounds kind of cool. And so they, they were the introduction. But then I went and did it. And kind of like what I'm doing with MetaHumans now, I, for me, it was sink or swim, actually. It, it seemed like a sink or swim. I looked at the trajectory of the technology. I looked at like the business I was currently running. And I was like, 
I was like, this in time, this Unreal Engine thing, this is like way back. I was like, I was like, if I had to make a bet, I was like, that's probably it. And I streamed on Twitch. I started a Twitch channel for it to build, you know, users and, and communities like I do. And I streamed, I think like eight to 10 hours. It was like eight hours to 10 hours a day. I streamed on Twitch every day, every day, no weekends. This was crunch time. Wow. No weekends. The family knows this phase every day to get that built because uh, I knew nothing. So it was from, it was from zero to shipping Sinatra. So, so even, so even not from a confident place of like, okay, I've got my business, but now I'm going to just kind of do some clever promoting here. Like you were streaming as, as somebody as a, who was totally lost and you were yes. just doing it. That's, and I was getting that's help. really smart, man. That's very, I was getting help from the, from Unreal Engine developers would roll up in the stream. They'd be like, that's not how we're doing it. And I was like, they're like, you need to, I remember the days, the data tables. I used to build things like completely out of just, just like lists. And like, there's a better way to do it. And I built my whole game framework, early Cinetracer on this old way, on this terrible way that I made up myself. And people came on the stream and they were like, that's not it. They're like, you don't want to do and it. This that is way. live for everyone to see. You're they're, like, they're yeah, commenting. It's on. not, it's not yeah. a huge community. It was a huge back then, you know? Right. But I, and I was like, nah, I was like, I already built this. I, what do you mean? And like, they just slowly wore me down and they were like, you have to switch this. And it was the better practice. And so it was just kind of like wow. you know, accountability to show up. And then also, you know, marketing as and this is content back in the day. It's a little different now. But through that, people could tune in every once in a while. It just made way too much content about it. It'd be like, oh, that's looking cool. And then when we launched, which was like one map with some really broken, terrible features, awful, awful, awful prototype of it. But it was like the very first time it kind of felt like it worked a little bit. We launched pretty hard. Like it was a lot of people got it. And I was like, okay, well, this pays for the last six months. And I kept going. I forget what we're talking about. That's, that's, the, origi that's the origin of it. Yeah. It was, uh, they contacted me to build it. And I was like, I don't know how to do this, but I was like, this seems like it. I was like, I don't, I don't see this. I don't see another path. It was, it was yeah. the path. And then from that virtual production came, I was like, okay, now we need like a live action cinematographer who also knows Unreal Engine, but I'm like an Unreal Engine developer at the core, which gives me a certain relationship to Epic Games. But then I'm like one of the few, I thought I would find more, but one of the few live action film production people who comes from like actual product, like professional production who also programs Unreal Engine. This is like, there's probably a lot more now, actually, I think since we've start, like promoted it. But back then it was like five people or something that could have possibly filled that role, maybe. Wow. But that's how it started. They came to me. I built a game and then it's just been kind of like organically growing from them. And then they hit me up for like cool projects less these days because I don't travel. I've turned them all down, actually. Um, oh, really? And now I'm full metahuman, so I'm doing it again. I'm like, I'm like startup mode again around metahuman. So I've been iterating new product ideas for like a couple months. I'll bring it back to Cinetracer. Bread and butter, keep that 100. But I'm looking at new things around virtual. We, we, no, none of the virtual influencers like to be called virtual influencers, but that's what the world's calling them. But like, you know, your next... And just to be punk. clear, virtual yeah. influencers, you're talking about if I'm understanding this correctly, people who are going to use avatars and speak yes. through them, not, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Musician, like musicians, like the next Daft Punk. But yeah. So I'm in like startup phase again, like when I first started Cinetracer, but around metahumans, Epic knows that I work very closely with them on this stuff. So I got a new channel, a new thing. And I just streamed to, to two, three, two or three people at a time. And that's how I prefer to do it in startup mode versus like go back to my big channels and, and whatnot, just like fresh, a fresh one. And, and I tell you again, in, in five years, 
there's no being safe here. It's going to be the same thing. It's like, there's going to be this new thing. I've never done it, never heard of it. But I'm like, that's probably the one. That's probably what I'm going to do every day. And I'm, I guess I'm, I'm in a place like uh, financially that I can do that. And I was, like, I, was yeah. like, I can dedicate my entire life to something and just be hyper-focused on it, like unhealthily hyper-focused. And sometimes I'm wrong. <laughs> I've done a couple of projects that you definitely have not seen and it's just like they're not all good but then the ones that do well yeah yeah but at we least hope, you're doing it do you well. know a, a lot of us talk about it you know like i mean i'm over here going the future the future but you're actually doing something about it and i mean look at the positions that it puts you in and it's really cool i mean it, i think it's you, you seem to be uh looking ahead like you just said to where things are going to be not necessarily where they are um i want to i mean we're almost at like, I mean, we're pretty much at an hour here. I don't want to hold you all day, but uh, I'm curious about a couple of things. Like what, so you, you got so into the technology side of things, but you did start out as a DP or something like mm -hmm. it, right? So like, I mean, you're I'm going to assume, did, did you love movies? Like what's the movie that made you want to get into all this? What, what was the beginning? <laughs> yeah. So I loved music videos, just to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, okay. Just like so that was the thing videos. that drew you to it. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I think I've, I'm like a lifer short from content person. I like movies. Sure. Yeah. But like what got me into the industry was music videos. And this is like, you know, like peak, like 20, $20 million music videos, you know, yeah. shooting on film. It's like let's early just, 2000s music videos. Uh, yeah. If not like nineties. And it's like yeah. back on MTV was like the most expensive music videos was a show. Yeah. TRL. And making, yeah. And making the, and I've been to TRL and I've filmed TRL things, commercials for, I worked for MTV for, for many years. Like, so I like lived that dream, like broke new artists, like filmed Justin Bieber before he was famous and then filmed him after he was famous. And oh so my I, gosh, I, that's awesome. I, ch I chased, wanted to do music videos and did them. Not like the top top, but like pretty, pretty big. Um, so that's what got me into it. And then music videos kind of fell off a cliff um in the transition to streaming and then figuring out their business it's back big now music videos are pretty big um so i moved to commercials so i moved to new mm -hmm. york city to do music videos did them shot hundreds hundreds of music videos like my wife my now wife girlfriend then i forget we had we had celebrations at the 100 mark and we had like the 200 mark i was shot like 100 like every it was like almost like every day i was shooting music videos kind of like what i do for unreal engine now i did back then for DSLRs when the red first yeah. came out. Like I was that guy, one of those, one of those people back then for the digital stuff. Uh, but then I moved to the commercials because it just makes a hell of a lot more money, like exponentially. Right. Um, and then it got me signed to an agency um, fairly early on. So yeah, that's that's the background. This commercial, commercial or music video cinematography, shot a lot of them. The the old the OG music videos, I shot a lot of those. And then commercials. So all the stuff. Do, that do you, you have like, a you do hate. you have a favorite one? Like if you had to say, go watch this one. This was my favorite one from early on. No, you want to point awful. to any of them? <laughs> they're all awful. Sorry, past directors. They're all awful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I'm working with someone now in like the virtual musician space, and they were actually. I, I probably, but no, I, I can't say it actually publicly. But the, a lot of sure. the major labels. I shot a lot of like the beginner artists. So I kind of know what that world looks like. Like, it's like you just got signed with Choo Choo Music Video. It's like 50,000 or something. And it's like your first one and we'll see how it goes like with your first single. So I like know that music world quite, quite well. And it's funny now because I'm doing it again, except for the virtual influencer musicians who are, they're going to be more and more, especially now, 
that are like they debut and they're they're an avatar. You'll never see their real. You'll never see them really in person. They don't want to be in person. Um, wow. so it's this weird like parallel with like how I worked with like indie musicians doing indie music videos like DSLRs. Now I'm doing indie musicians who are virtual using MetaHumans and Unreal Engine. So kind of a big stretch, but when you see the final result, they're both content. They're both music videos. They're both content that promotes music. Uh, but yeah, that was the, I feel like someone's over here. Um, that was the background shot. Commercial DP. I did it. I did New York City hard. Like there weren't yeah. that many. And like, I'm still on Gersh. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't shoot a lot with them anymore. So it's up Patty and Gersh, Gersh squad. And there's a lot of, all the real serious DPs who are still shooting and stuff. Like I, I could have gone basically from commercials in New York directly into episodic. I could have started shooting like Comedy Central pilots, which most of my friends are shooting Netflix now. They shoot like the Netflix mm-hmm. pilots. They shoot the Netflix shows. Uh, I was on that trajectory, but family reasons and just overall kind of interest in technology pushed me into software. So I could have gone and shot Netflix TV shows or build Cinetracer. <laughs> I ended up building Cinetracer. And then I kind of still sneak back into the film industry every once in a while. Yeah. That's kind of the- It seems background. smart, man. I mean, you're, you pr- I don't think it's crazy to say you're probably going to end up back there, but with a huge amount of qualifications to be working on really exciting stuff that's coming in the future. And maybe had you gone the other route, I mean, I don't, again, I don't want to speak badly of DPs who are not interested in technology, but like, what if this stuff just continues to become necessary, I guess is, uh, I'm, I'm sure that'll always be a situation where someone's just so talented, like they can just sit back and talk about what something should look like. Right. Like they don't have to be the technician, but the, I just, tool, it seems like you've prepared. Built, the tools are built for the directors now and the DPs now. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of cool thing about the LED wall sets specifically is that it's like when the camera is capturing the final picture, not green screen that we replace later mm-hmm. with a green screen production, the VFX industry runs the whole movie, right? Like what goes back there, but when you be- end back on set and you have the led wall and you're trying to capture that final, the same people in power that have been in power, it's the same directors that can make actors give good performances, have good aesthetics for like the overall picture. And it's the same cinematographers who can work with those directors and work with those producers and work with those actors. So it's the same people. It's the same people at the end of the day. There might be people who are fast to it, but this stuff doesn't work without the regular cinematography behind it, right? There's no, like, there have not been that I'm aware of. I don't foresee it necessarily, like the technology upstart. It's like, oh, I know Unreal Engine better than, you know, Roger Deakins. It's like, that don't matter. (laughs) That's how it works. It's still, it becomes way more like the traditional film industry than like when it started to get a little bit separate, when it, big green screen VFX movies, it's like, okay, the cinematographer really is not doing that much. Yeah. This spins it back the other way. So this stuff is for the cinematographers. So it's the people who are good live action cinematographers. They are even more back in charge and, and important. You know, and this stuff looks ass if you shoot it poorly. You know, so you yeah. need to you need to do it correctly. And the filmmaking needs to be on point. And the internet, the streaming community, if you're dropping like The Witcher or like one of the new, all, all the new IP, every IP in the world that you can think of is in production right now for one of these companies, basically all the good ones. And it's like, the audience is picky. You can't put out crappy like 90s remakes like they used to and just farm it. It's like, yeah, they're picky. This stuff has to be good. This has to be really good. So you need yeah. these cinematographers and they don't even, there's not enough. 
that are yeah. from that. Like like the DPs that can helm like a full episodic. It's like the DPs that are qualified to shoot thrones, um, the Witcher and whatnot. There's not enough, but it's it's a live. I mean, the live action cinematography I think is like in a great place. I would love to. Well, not really, but I like my life right now. But like, that's cool. It's like, hey, we need someone to shoot like Witcher season three or like, you know, the infinite number of Star Wars movies that are being shot right now in TV shows on LED walls. It's like, you want to come like live literally into the Star Wars world and be in like a dome world of it for like the next like, you know, two years. Like that's people's job right now. That's what they get to do. It. And it's like Marvel. Guess what? They're going to shoot movies forever. Yeah, so this is this is a cool ass time. You know, I, I like where I've gone. But I think it's it's time it's like it's the traditional it's the direct the same directors and then same DPs. Yeah. If you were bringing it with live action, that's who's coming in. It's I don't think it's not like this new wave. I mean, yeah. Well, it sounds it's like good, it's a it's win-win win. stuff. Yeah, it sounds like it's a win-win for everybody. It's not necessarily that the jobs are being replaced, but that there's also this new stuff that gets to come in. This whole new thing that's going to come in alongside of everything and create new job opportunities for people. It's still filmmaking. It's the same business. There's just like, it's like, did digital really change all that much? Yeah, maybe there's some people that like, the transition wasn't great or whatever. Yeah. But it's the same directors. It's the same actors. It's the same DPs, you know? So it's it's still just the filmmaking business. We got some cool new toys, for sure. New ways of approaching things. Maybe that's going to make better content. You know, that's what we hope. Yeah, but it's the same. It's the same film machine. You roll up on these sets; it's still the same people. It's still someone's pulling focus. Someone's still like it might be like some sort of like virtual focus, but it's that same focus puller that you see last year. Like it's the same camera operators. It's the same DPs. The same agencies. The same directors. You know, it's it's still pretty much business as usual. We just like on an LED wall. But well, normally people. Yeah, normally I'd like to ask what advice would you have to uh, a young filmmaker starting out or somebody transitioning in? But you did already mention early on, like TikTok. (laughs) TikTok, yeah, but you 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 did Blow mention earlier TikTok. about the uh, what you say you're basically sponsored by Unreal Engine to to learn that stuff. I mean, it sounds like if somebody's lost and needs some uh, some cool employment opportunities, it sounds like Unreal has uh, has cool options for them. I think just like the digital DSLR revolution and whatnot, where like oh, all of a sudden it's affordable, and especially now to make nice quality looking footage, right? Mm-hmm. On the film days, it's like you want like 30 seconds of professional looking footage. It's like we're talking like a million dollars just to even get started. Now, your phone's doing pretty damn good looking stuff, right? And an SLR, even better, right? Or like a digital cinema camera, those cost nothing compared to what they used to cost. So, did that really change anything about the filmmaking ecosystem? You know, the business of it, how you make money in it, and who's creating it, and the IPs? No, no, it didn't, it didn't really ultimately. And so we're looking at a, a digital equivalent of like, oh, it used to be really expensive to make great looking visual effects, like obscenely expensive, only Star Wars, only Marvel. And so that will become more affordable, just like, just like live action filmmaking did. I'm living that, I'm living that like every day, but it will not, I don't think it changes ultimately who's good at doing it, who brings something special to it. So, you know, like you could focus on the tech if you want to be a technician, if you want to be a programmer, if you want to be a you know, like a camera technician and that, that sort of thing. But you just want to get good at what you're doing, right? And exceptionally good. And I think we have tools to do it now. So it's like, if you wanted to get really good at like making, like see, like I, I would do this if I was younger, like 
I just want to keep making horror movies in the woods. And so like, how do we do that? Right. And back in the day, it's like Blair Witch, but now maybe you have somehow access to LED walls or green screens. You do it virtually and you just get really good at it. Like look at the filmmakers who succeed. It's like, they make the same movie over and over again. Look at the act. A lot of the actors who succeed, they're the same character every single time. They're just iterating on it. You know, so this fast iteration of content in whatever space you're doing, you get good at like one thing. I am very weirdly good at, I don't know, I guess like making like virtual cameras or something like that. And I've been doing it for a long time, many years. And so that's what I'm good at. And you iterate and you get good at your one thing, you know, because like it's going to get democratized. I don't love that term, but it's going to make it so like anyone pick up a camera and make a nice film, right? Or, or like a nice looking film or a nice looking virtual set. You got to get good at what, what you're doing though. So like I would go like super hard in one weird area that you like. Because, I mean, if you just look at content these days, it's, you know, it's who's, I feel like it's who's done it the most. You, and TikTok is what I, I follow TikTok very closely. It's like, yeah. you can and just why, tell. Why TikTok specifically? Is it because of their algorithm that you like them better? It's like the most egalitarian algorithm for content creators that's ever existed. Um, yeah. There's no. Like, I, I still can't believe that like Instagram hasn't just copied that yet. They, they tried. Instagram is dead oh to me i i can't yeah. i can't on instagram they're anymore not, they're not doing it i don't get it they it just did, seemed maybe i'm crazy or just don't know enough about it it just it seemed like an easy thing to replicate but i also don't know why it wasn't easy for them to do instagram it. instagram did do it they did it for photos back in the day you know and then they took they tried to they pretty much successfully took stories from snapchat but they're not taking tiktok um unless it gets banned from the u.s or something like that which is like but the, the just that it's just a new algorithm, a new take. And if if like these the strongest creators, I believe it, I can are on TikTok, and you can tell it. And like it's the actors, the musicians, the animators who I now engage with. And the algorithm is like it's a very pure algorithm. I don't know what it is they're doing, but like they profile you instantly, and they'll show you new stuff. And like so, I have a five thousand follower TikTok from my new channel, mm-hmm. and I got a quarter million views on my last video. That doesn't really, you don't do that anymore yeah. on, on Instagram. You don't do that on YouTube. You can, the only reason that would, that would ever happen is that like you went viral on Reddit or Twitter or like some external platform that put, pushed it in, but you, you, you don't get that type of engagement. You don't get that type of discovery. There's like, I remember early Instagram when I used to get stuff like, like those type of numbers. It's like, it doesn't exist on those platforms. I don't think it ever will. They're just going to go MySpace. It's just going to end, you know? And I think Instagram is kind of at that point for me. Like I, I use it, but like I could not. TikTok in like this next generation, which I, 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 I loosely consider like, meta, like, full, like a full metaverse, which is another big interest of Epic's um, bigger picture. Like all this stuff Epic's doing, like where's that going? What's the point, right? Like, oh, like what we're talking about is a piece of, of, the, of the direction. But anyway, TikTok is a very good place to iterate, you know, and it doesn't really like even if you're in, in any category and you will you should be able to find that community so quickly. And the, the yeah. engagement is, is really I, I thought it was fake at first, but it's it's really incredible. And I found people that I would not have found otherwise. And I've 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 done work on all platform, all social media. And TikTok is very unique. And it's still in that it's it's a little where like you know, a couple of years into it, but it's still in that early phase, like when that early phase of Instagram, when that was really blowing up, I got forced into Instagram, a director I was working with on set wanted to tag me in a picture. And I was like, I'm not an Instagram, what the hell's Instagram? And he like literally signed me up for it. And then I did a lot more work on it after that. But um, 
it's it's like that early days where like it's like what's instagram what are you talking about and like only the cool directors like hey i'm gonna sign you up for it right now and like i'm gonna start doing this you know it's yeah. it's still like that and I, I i wonder how long they can keep it i wonder if other algorithms will ever catch up to it but it's 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 incredible and it's definitely like the the place to blow up like you'd be you'd be surprised where people are headhunting talent from you know there's like yeah. you know, the tr- it's it's diverse and they wa- yeah. they watch the platform like i mean there's like snapchat you know like i think that's probably run its course or like the viners and stuff like that but like the creators people who like to create things like to put them where they're going to get seen it's yeah. like i'm a I'm a, t- I'm a tiktoker and i want to do the dances i want to make content about what i like making content about and i want people who like that content to see it and so where is that yeah. being served that's not youtube at the moment uh you could put it there that's a good place i still put it there you know twitch yeah. if you can if it's a live based thing it's tiktok so go smash whatever it is you're doing on tiktok and build that community hyper fast and then you bring them to whatever the next platform is is tiktok in 10 years the game plan no yeah but can you build the audience there and bring them with you for sure for sure and it doesn't matter how what kind of camera you have it doesn't matter like people in like the animation community because i'm engaged with that to be photorealistic metahuman animation right now and so mm-hmm. i i slay it because like it's a very high bar to hit that stuff people just go and procreate and you draw a stick figure and you select its head and you just drag the scaling up and down to make it talk, slaying it. And they're hilarious. And it's like the, the super funny, hyper relevant. Well, how's it hyper relevant and niche, but like really specific comedy. And it's literally just someone with an iPad dragging a scaling a box up and down on a stick figure. And it's like, you know, 10 million views and they're real views and like real yeah. community being built off of it. Yeah. I won't be here. For, I won't be here forever. I know tic- I know these early socials. It's like it's gonna it's gonna go away. I'm looking for the next one, but like it is fast. I don't want to hold you uh, too much longer. Where where can people find you? Where would you prefer? Pe- what stuff would you prefer people to follow and look at? Anything YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, like, all of it. I'll put it like this: like the confidence is like if you're interested in the stuff that I do, you'll find it. I don't even like have to promote it. I'm I'm running these algorithms, man. Like if you liked virtual production and Unreal Engine, I have the channel that does that. <laughs> you'll find it. Like if you're doing your research and if you like virtual humans, you'll find it. You'll find it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm at uh, Cine Database. I went with a company name on Twitter. So Cine Database. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of like the, the normal account because the other ones are kind of like pseudonyms and like niche interests. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm around. I'm around. Yeah, yeah you sure that's, are, man. That's, that's the Twitter one. You know, but I don't, I don't necessarily cross promote all the channels. Like I have a, I have a virtual reality, cross reality drumming brand <laughs> that I was going to yeah, build software for. Yeah, I gotta check that out. Yeah, you know, so it's like, and that's a small community, but I got featured by Roland in the first month, who makes the the V drums. I could, I probably could have been their top influencer <laughs> if I wanted to be. Um, and it was all Unreal Engine virtual production based, and I was building, working with a couple companies to build hardware for it. I still might get back into that shit, but like. So if you're in the if you're in the V drum world, you know me already. <laughs> so you'll you'll see. It's like if you have these interests, you know, I've, I've I try to do a good job of, of making it findable. That's awesome, man. Is there anything that you want to share before I stop recording here? I don't want to keep you all day. I realize I've already kept you for an hour and a half. No, thanks for having me. This is a fun a fun chat. I don't do many of these anymore, but uh, there's something about. I feel honored. Thank you so much. The premise of this one, and now I feel this special because like, I didn't even know like what your interest was about virtual production or not. But it's cool to talk about it, and like for whatever your impression is of me, I am just like 
grasping for air, struggling to, to do a lot of this stuff. A lot of it's well out of my comfort zone. And I, I go and I, I'm in a fortunate place, you know, I, I go and talk to like, like the experts on it. And like, I have to like talk to these people. Like when I was on the LED set, I was all like with ILM and like all of these people and like they had just actually done it. And I was there like directing <laughs> as the director. And I'm just like, what the hell? But I, th- I think that's honestly what this usually looks like. If you're doing something fun, it's like, we just have no idea. We kind of have a thing that we want to do and we're just going to try to all get there. There's some new tech, yeah, and there's some whatnot, but we're, we're all learning. And it, to be in this space, I don't expect my skills today. Well, they should help, but I'm going to have to keep learning. We all got to keep learning. And, uh, and I think it's fun, at least, like to make content about it. That's what makes it palatable for me. And I'll just hop on whatever platform is like we can talk about the stuff I think is cool. And I think that's nice about it today versus like, you know, being like the, the basement you know, tucked away or the crazy person in the attic. It's like, that's like celebrated now. It's like, you crazy in your attic doing something? I want to see the TikTok, man. I want to see it. Show me the crazy. So that, that gives me that gives me faith with, with all of this stuff. It's, it kind of keeps me moving. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our 10th episode of Filmmakers in Advertising with Matt Workman. Um, I loved that one. We got a lot out of that. Uh, I know I personally will consider trying some of Matt's strategies for... Uh, for putting your work out there, even in its early stages. Uh, If you liked this episode, please let us know. Please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any ideas for future guests, please reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook and let us know who you think we should try to have on. Or please feel free to make that connection for us. We'd love to talk to anyone who has anything to offer. We are constantly trying to make new friends and see what we can all learn from one another. Thanks from cry a creative production and post-production house in new york city and maybe soon to be raleigh north carolina we'll see i'm cody and this is filmmakers and advertising